All right. Over the last few weeks, we've been exploring some God questions. We've looked at things like, is God real? Is God good? Is God just? We've wrestled with some of the hard questions about evil. And today we're going to look at something that oftentimes there are questions about as well, and that is the subject of angels. And to explore this, this subject, we're going to look and see what the scriptures have to tell us about these beings. Now, I find it incredibly interesting and, um, and somewhat humorous that the particular passage of scripture that we began with today has some, some hidden aspects to it that you might not be aware of. Let's look at this for just a moment at the beginning, um, what Clyde just read for us. It says, but when the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees. Now, that little um, parenthesis that is there in the scripture is very, very important, and here's why. The Sadducees were a religious group within um, Judaism that did not believe in the supernatural, they did not believe in angels. They did not believe in the resurrection. Um, and, and so therefore, it's quite ironic that God chose to use an angel to come against the Sadducees who had put the disciples into prison. You see, God has a great sense of humor. Whether you knew it or not, he does. And so he wanted to demonstrate to the Sadducees, and of course, at least for, for those of us for whom English is our mother tongue, our native language, when you see the term Sadducee, it, you, know, you learn this when you're a little kid in Sunday school. They didn't believe in the supernatural, which is why they were sad, you see. I, it's re, see, it's, God's humor is much better than mine, but that's, that way you will remember it from now on. So God chooses to miraculously deliver, deliver the disciples through an angel. Well, let's look at these creatures because maybe you're here today and you're not sure whether they're real. Maybe you're like the Sadducees and you, know, you believe certain things. Um, maybe you're exploring some religious ideas. Maybe you've just begun to, uh, maybe it's your first time in church and, and you're not sure about God, let alone about angels. Well, let's explore and see what the scripture has to tell us about angels. Well, first of all, the meaning of the word angel is one who is sent or God's messengers. Um, the word angel or angels appears over 300 times in the scripture. So it's, it's very frequent throughout all of the message of the Bible in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, in Psalms, all through the scripture, we hear about angels. And there are, there are different types of angels. There's also different uses of the word. Sometimes it will use the word to refer to someone who is not the spirit being um, specifically. There's um, many times it talks about the angel of the Lord, which actually is a, is a time when Jesus appeared to someone before his birth at Bethlehem. But let's look at these as a whole because throughout history, people have wondered about the supernatural. Now, sometimes they refer to it in those terms. Sometimes they refer to it in other terms. Throughout history, we've wondered whether or not we are the only intelligent beings in the universe and whether life as we know it is confined to the earth alone. One of the most recent scientific attempts in, um, in, is, is the search to find extraterrestrial life, things that aren't just like us. 
This is why whenever they're sending out probes, they're looking for life on, on other planets or other planets that could have life because built within us is this question, are there other intelligent beings? And the Bible actually answers this by telling us, yes, there are angels. There are also demons, which are angels who rebelled against God and um, are living in disobedience to him. But with all the interest that there is in that which is beyond the natural, it is sad that the book that deals with it most directly is oftentimes the last place that people turn to explore what God himself says about angels. Well, what are angels? Well, the first thing we need to explore is that the scripture tells us that God created the angels. He tells us in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6, he says, you are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, which means not just the atmosphere, but outer space, with all of their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas that fill it, you preserve all of them and the host of heaven worship you. That's one of the titles for the angels when they are gathered together is the host of heaven. And the reason it uses host is because it's letting us know that God created a lot of angels. We don't know how many, but we know there are tens of thousands at least of angels according to the scripture. And they were created by God himself, by his decree. He tells us in Psalm 148 verses 2 and and 5 He says, praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. And then in verse five, he says, let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created and he established them forever and ever and gave a decree and it shall not pass away. This little verse tells us that God spoke or commanded the angels into being and that they are eternal beings or immortal beings would be more accurate. They they do not die. And so they're a spirit being, the scripture tells us, although we find in the scripture there are times when God gives them the ability to have physical form. And there is some kind of recognition of who they are because there are different types of angels that we see in the scripture. We don't have time to, to, to look at all of the verses today, but we see several different kinds of angels that are revealed in the scripture. First of all, you see the cherubim. If you were to go into the Holy of Holies Um, in the temple and look over the mercy seat where God's presence was, there were carved cherubim that were winged beings that represented the angelic beings that were actually around the throne of God. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6 says, uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And as he is looking into the throne room of God, he sees also beings called seraphim which were beings that had six wings. With two, they flew. With two, they covered their bodies. And with two, they, they um, worshiped and worked. And so there are different kinds of beings. We also read in the book of Revelation, as well as several prophetic books, about four living creatures, which were spirit beings as well, but had a unique form, again, that were around the throne of God. In the Old Testament, we see multiple times of angels appearing to people, that they took on physical form that was somewhat like human, but there was something distinct about them that made them stand out. 
In just a few weeks, we're going to celebrate Christmas, and and one of the great parts of the Christmas story is the angels announcing to the shepherds that Jesus Christ was born. And it was very clear to the shepherds that these spirit beings, these angels were messengers sent from the Lord. In the same way, um, an angel announced to Mary that she would be with child, that the Holy Spirit had um, conceived within her the Savior, Jesus Christ, and an angel appeared. And so we see throughout the scriptures different individuals coming and bringing messages from God, and they, they come and talk to the Lord, or talk from the Lord to his people. Abraham had a visit from the angels and from Jesus um, before his birth in Bethlehem. When we read about Daniel, And um, his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there in the fiery furnace, we see that there is an angel appearing there with them, protecting them. We see angels are the ones who drove fiery chariots that Elisha was able to see. And so they have a great deal of work that they do as messengers of the Lord. Now, the scripture not only refers to them as angels, but it uses some other titles as well. It talks about the sons of God. In Job, in particular, Job chapter 1, verse 6, and 38, verse 7, it refers to the angels as sons of God. When the morning, verse 7 says, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. This verse, if we look at it in its context, also gives us a clue that they were created at some point either at the very beginning of creation of of this world or before because they were singing as God was making this world and everything that that is within it. They are also sometimes referred to as holy ones. Um, We see this multiple times in the scripture, especially in the Psalms. And so God uses a variety of titles and it mentions them throughout the scripture because they have an important role in accomplishing God's purpose. Well, the second thing I want you to think about is, is not only are they, do they exist and what their form is, but they have a function in that, first of all, angels are warriors, Now, one of the things that I find very sad in our modern depiction of angels and even even in the Middle Ages is oftentimes when artists have tried to display what an angel looks like, it's it's difficult because they're um, they're trying to paint a picture of that which is a spirit. And so it, it takes on an image that oftentimes, you know, you'll see the little, the little cherubs, you know, like when you think about Valentine's Day, a little baby with wings. I don't think angels look anything like that because what we see in the scriptures is that they are mighty and fierce and when, when they appear, people are afraid. Now, I don't know about you, but if a little winged baby showed up in front of me, chances are I would not be that scared. I, I would be puzzled, perplexed, and wondered what I had for dinner the night before um, or whatever had happened, but I would not be afraid. But these are mighty warriors, and when we we see them engaged in in the scriptures, we discover that oftentimes they are engaged in spiritual battle. We read through um, Daniel in particular, our eyes are open to see within, behind the curtain into the spiritual world with the battle between angels and demons. 
It is real. There are also, as I mentioned, a great number of angels. The book of Revelation tells us in chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, it says, Then I looked and heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. There are a lot of angels. There easily could be millions of angels, not just a few. Also, um, as I mentioned, they do not die. God proclaimed that they would be immortal beings, and so therefore they live forever. Well, let's look a bit at the work of angels. What is it that these creatures are called and created to do? Well, the first is that they have a ministry to God. They attend His holiness. That's what we see in the book of Exodus where it's talking about the, the, the work of the tabernacle and there, especially in the holy place and the holy of holies, it is a picture of what is happening in the actual throne room in heaven that angel beings surround God's throne. They attend to His worship, not to His needs because God is self-sufficient and doesn't have any needs. And so they accomplish his work as his servants, but they do not meet his needs in any way. Ezekiel, if you read through that, tells about how they surround his throne. And and it's mysterious in its picture because we're looking beyond the natural into the supernatural. Also, angels are directly involved in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Angels predicted his birth. Angels protected him in his infancy as he was um, preparing, or his parents were preparing to help him flee to Egypt because Herod was, was coming to, to kill him. Angels ministered to him after his temptation in Matthew chapter 4. Angels strengthened him at Gethsemane when he is praying that if there be any way, Father, if there's another way to purchase salvation other than this, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he pours out his heart praying. He sweats drops of blood. And it says in the scriptures that angels came and ministered to him. Angels were there announcing his resurrection. After Jesus rose from the dead, when Peter and John were there, and when the, when the women came into the, to the tomb, there were angels sitting there on, uh, inside the tomb to tell them that he is not here, he is risen. Angels attended Jesus' ascension when he ascended into heaven. We discover in Acts chapter 1, verse 10. And angels will attend his second coming. And so they are very engaged in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. In fact, there's a, there's a passage of Scripture where, where Satan himself misuses the Scripture talking about the angelic role in, in Jesus' life. Look at Psalm chapter 91. I want to just point this out real briefly to you. Psalm 91, verses 9 through 12, says this. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to fall you. No plague come near your tent. 
For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Here in this psalm, it is a promise that is directed about Jesus, but even more importantly, or at least more relevant for us, God uses his angels to protect us. Satan used this passage of scripture in trying to tempt Jesus to do things in his own strength and in his own power. And he says this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 5, using or misusing these very verses. It says, The devil took him, Jesus, to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Satan used the scripture and tried to misuse it to tempt Jesus. But Jesus responded appropriately and said, Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He understood that whereas he had the power to call for angels to come and minister and care for him, his heart was devoted to the will of the Father. His love focused in on the Lord. And that's what we should do as well. What about with us? How do angels relate to you and I? That's ultimately what oftentimes we really want to know about. They do have a ministry to believers, and it is far more frequent than what we realize. There's an incredible story of a neurologist in Philadelphia who had gone to sleep after a a very busy and tiring day when suddenly he was awakened by, by a knock on his door. Opening the door, he found a little girl poorly dressed and deeply upset. She told him her mother was very sick and asked him if he would please come with her. It was bitterly cold and, and a snowy night, but the doctor dressed and followed the little girl. He found the mother desperately ill with pneumonia. And after arranging for medical care, he complimented the sick woman on the intelligence and persistence of her daughter. The woman looked at him strangely and then said, my daughter died, in fact, a month ago. She added her shoes and her coat are uh, in the clothes closet over there. And amazed and perplexed, the doctor went to the closet, opened the door, and there hung the very coat that he had seen on what he assumed was a little girl. Could the doctor have been called in the hour of desperate need by an angel who appeared like the young woman's daughter? Was this the work of God? You see, the scripture tells us that oftentimes angels are at work in our life in ways we never expect and never would recognize. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 13 says, And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet? Are they not, speaking of the angels, all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Now that's a verse you should remember because a part of the role of the work of an angel is to work on on behalf of you and I, those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ and those who will place their trust 
in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. God gives them that duty. And part of their work and their role is that of physical protection. You can read about this in Psalm 34, verse 7, Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. And I put most of these so you can look them up later in your, in your sermon notes, in your bulletin. Part of the role and work of angels is for our, our physical protection. And that often brings up the question, do we have a guardian angel? This question has been around for a long, long time. In fact, in Judaism, they had a whole theology built up around the idea of guardian angels. The Bible, however, really only gives us one verse for which we can really grab a hold of and see a glimpse of what this might be. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, Jesus is talking um, to his disciples and he's talking to the religious leaders around him and he's talking specifically about children and also about those who place their trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And he says this in verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So Jesus seems to be indicating that especially for, for little ones or perhaps you can interpret this as for those who inherit salvation, for, for believers in Christ, there are angels that appear before the Father and the Father sends them out to care for and protect these little ones. Now, maybe you've never seen an angel. Um, if you're a parent, how many of you believe that God does in some way protect your children through angelic beings. If you've been a parent for very long, I'm going to tell you a story in a minute, but okay, just think about that for a moment. Think about your children. Think about some of the things that they do or that have happened to them. Let me give you an illustration of our, our son, uh, Micah, when he was about four years old. Um, all our children grew up in the, mount, the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, and so winter sports was very much a part of, of everything that we, we did. And one day, our family, we were out sledding, and Micah was just this little boy, and he had, he had gone down the hill. It was, a, it was a really big hill. I mean, it was a, huge for him. And, you know, he had gone down the hill and, on his sled, and he was, he was really proud of himself. And he's walking across near the bottom of the hill, pulling his little sled, and he's coming back to, to Becky and I, and there's a, another, a big teenager on a tube, an inner tube, and he is just flying down the hill, and, and he is headed right at Micah. And, and I'm about 40 feet away from him, and it's like, there's nothing I can do. And I'm watching, and he, of course, he's four years old and absolutely has no idea what's going on. And he's just walking along, and all of a sudden, this inner tube hits him and takes him out right in his legs, and he flies up in the air. And he does a complete flip over and lands on his feet. <laughs> and, and he stops, and he's just like, he never even saw it. I mean, none of it. And he realized something wrong has happened to him. And he's not hurt. And he starts crying because it's like, I don't know what happened to me. And we're all watching going, okay, there is no way that was simply natural because I know the balance of my son. He would not have landed it like that. You know, some angel picked him up, did a flip just for fun and put him right back down. There is no doubt in my mind. So, 
So, and I could probably tell you stories about every one of my children that have done the same kind of thing where God has protected them. In my own heart and life, there have been instances where God has miraculously intervened, especially in circumstances that were so beyond my control or human control that it was very evident that God had provided protection in my heart and in my life. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? It's a part of their role. They also provide encouragement. We see this in Acts chapter 27 when Paul is, is on board a, a ship and it's, it's being battled by a storm. And all of the sailors on the ship are, are desperate, wondering what's going to happen. It tells us that an angel appeared to Paul and told him that everyone there would be safe because God had a mission for Paul. And he has granted Paul's request to protect those on board the ship with him. Um, but they had some things they had to follow. And the angel appeared to be an encouragement both to Paul and through Paul to everyone else on that ship before it was, it was dashed against the rocks. The scripture tells us that angels assist in answers to our prayers. And perhaps most importantly, angels have a role in carrying home believers. In Luke chapter 16, verse 22, Jesus is telling the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And he says this in verse 22, the poor man died and he was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. That little verse is absolutely powerful because it indicates to us that one of the roles of God's angels is to welcome those who die in Christ into Christ's presence. As a pastor, I have unfortunately attended hundreds, pretty close at least to 100 deaths at different points in times. And I can tell you the difference between an individual who had faith in Jesus Christ, their last moments are radically different than those who do not know him. I remember one particular lady, Janet Sanders, who her passing was one of the most beautiful, peaceful things I've ever experienced in all my life. It was, it was amazing. And it's hard to imagine how a death could be amazing. But the peace in her heart, the peace in the, in the room of that family, when she left this world and entered into eternity, gave evidence that God was present and that his angels were carrying her home. Also, we see in the scripture that angels are agents of the gospel. This is one of their major works and roles. And I, don't, I won't have the time to, to read it um, this morning, but I want to encourage you to read Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 through 10, because when, when um, world events are at their absolute worst, what we see in the, in, in the scripture prophetically is that God will announce the gospel to all nations through his angels. It's a part of what they're called and the work that they do. Also, angels teach us three very important aspects of worship. If you study and examine how angels respond to God, it will go a long way in teaching you and I how to worship. 
Because angels, whenever they come into the presence of God, they come with a reverence or fear. Too often we forget just how holy Jesus Christ is. We forget how holy God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are. And we lose that sense of reverence. But when we come and we look at how the angels appear before God, we see a different picture. Again, in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, we get a picture of how they worship, how they respond to the Lord, how they come in a humble way before the Lord. But we also discover that they work for the Lord that their worship is engaged in the faithfulness of obeying God's commands promptly. And finally, the third dynamic of their worship is you see great freedom, incredible freedom. When angels are worshiping, they put all of their being into it. it is, they are saturated with joy. I mean, when you, when you picture, when you read about the angels appearing before the shepherds and that the shepherds are greatly afraid, it's because the angels appearing are, are pouring out all of their being into to saying, glory to God in the highest. When they sing, it is with all of their heart. It is with the freedom to express the greatness of their love and adoration for God. We should follow that same pattern a pattern of fear and awe, a pattern of faithfulness, and a pattern of freedom that balance one another out. I believe that's a part of what Jesus means when he says to worship in spirit and in truth. It brings that balance, and we see it in the angels. Now, there's some cautions about angels that we need to remember as well. We are never, ever to worship angels. We are never ever to pray to angels. Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man. In the book of Revelation, John is being shown what will happen, God's plan. In Revelation chapter 19, he sa- it says this, And an angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. You see, John was so amazed at everything he was discovering, he knew he had to worship. It was the only response that his heart could come up with to all of the the amazing things he was experiencing. But in the weakness of his humanity, he fell down to worship the angel instead of God. And here's what he said. He said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we're never to pray to them, we're never to to worship them, and we have to be cautious. The scriptures warn us to beware of receiving false doctrine. Galatians chapter 1, verse 8 says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we presented to you of Jesus Christ, do not listen to them. In our modern world, we have religions that are based upon supposedly the testimony of an angel giving new revelation about God. 
And the warning of the scripture is that is false if it does not line up with God's word. We're to be cautious about that. The scripture tells us that Satan himself can disguise himself as an angel of light. In the book of Colossians, one of the problems at that church was that people were um, encouraging others to worship angels. And Paul writes in verse, uh, chapter 2, verses 18 and, and 19, not to do that. It's a warning. Well, finally, the part that I want to encourage you most and want you to take home with you is simply this. Angels are among us far more than we know far more than we recognize. The book of Hebrews says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. So they are around us. And chances are, whether we've recognized them or not, your life has been touched in some way or fashion. God has used his servants to protect you, to encourage you, to strengthen you, in some way. Now the focus isn't to go and seek that out and find out what is there, but to simply seek the Lord because angels are simply His servants. But what we do want to do is have the Lord open the eyes of our heart to be aware of His work in our lives and in our world. And one of the things I want to encourage you more than anything is to understand that when you share your faith in Jesus Christ with others, you are never, ever alone. The Holy Spirit is within you, and because the angels work in such a way to minister to those who will inherit salvation, it is a part of their assignment to be working in the hearts and lives of those who are sharing Christ with others and to help be a part of God's drawing them to himself. So you never need to be afraid about sharing your faith. You don't have to have all of the answers. You don't have to have great knowledge. You have to have confidence that God is with you and that he will work in you and through you to tell others about Christ. In 2 Kings, what I want to close with is a powerful story um, that if we could believe it, it would change how we live. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 19. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him, and thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. So in other words, what was happening in the council of the king of Syria was somehow the word was getting to the king of Israel on how to avoid the Syrian army. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, will you not show us who is for the king of Israel? Who's the spy in our midst? And their answer was, there's not a spy, but it is Elisha, the prophet of Israel. He is telling his king where we are. And so he sends men out to capture um, Elisha. Now look at verse 15. Because uh, he sent a great army 
out to capture Elisha in verse 14, verse 15. When the servant of the man of God rose in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said to Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. If we could see into the spirit world, we would understand that God's angels are at work all around us. That is why we have great courage to understand that if he is for us, none can truly be against us. You and I are not alone. And my prayer is, is that God would strengthen our faith, not in angels, but in him, in his work, in his word, and in his purpose in and through our lives so that we would recognize that he will do whatever it takes to accomplish his purpose in you and through you. And if it requires fiery chariots of angels to defeat the enemy, that's what he'll do. So my prayer for us is that God would open our eyes and see more of him, to trust more in who he is and what he has done. Now, if you have questions about angels, I know I went through a lot of information really, really quickly and probably didn't answer half of your questions. Feel free to email me and we can can talk about some of those things and try to provide better answers um, and more in-depth answers. But today, I just wanted to give you a glimpse at these spirit beings that are real, that are working to accomplish God's purpose and to encourage you that 